0: Hello, Coffee and Catholics crew. This is Stacey, one of your hosts. Today's episode is our final episode in our mental health series. And if you haven't already listened to episodes 87 and 88, those are also um, on topics dealing with mental health. 87 is mental health in general, in our own personal struggles and our stories with that. And 88 um, is with postpartum depression. Today's episode uh, may have some other triggers for some people because it is dealing with suicide. So we just wanted to let you guys know that before um, the conversation started. Um, Again, none of us are medical professionals. We even have a guest speaker on today who does talk about this um, publicly publicly. but she shares her story and her struggles. So she also is not a medical professional. So we just wanted to let you guys know that before we got started, and remind you that listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to Coffee and Catholics, a Catholic women's talk show podcast. I'm Stacey, one of your hosts, and with me I have.
1: Hi, I'm Alicia. I'm Annie, and
0: I'm Lauren. Hello, welcome to Coffee and Catholics. This week we are continuing our series on mental health, and today's topic is going to be about suicide. So... Um, Again, this might be an episode that is triggering for some of you, Um, so just kind of fair warning before we get started. But we kind of wanted to talk a little bit about the church's stance and some of our own um, experiences um, with suicide. We were talking just before recording this podcast that we don't think that there's really anybody nowadays that has not been impacted by this in some way.
1: Well, and I'm correct to say that this is coming out around Christmas, correct? Right before Christmas, so so we we had thought about that and thought about, well, this is kind of a depressing subject for Christmas, but people are dealing with depression and, you know, things that are linked to suicide attempts daily that doesn't change during the holidays. And oftentimes people are impacted even more heavily during the holidays. And so we thought that it would be a good topic to talk about when maybe it's not really
0: being talked about otherwise. Thanks. Oh, and I didn't mention. So today, <laughs> I'm just so like happy she's here. But I was just like, it's like it's also like part of like the old group. So um, today we also have a guest speaker who is really an old part of Coffee and Catholics. And mm-hmm. is uh, Noel? She's with us today, Yay. and um, she has a background in talking about some of the, these things. Um, she- formed, if you, if you go on a formed, you can find her talk. Um, 13 (laughs)
2: Reasons Why You Matter in Spanish and English.
0: And we're so happy to have her back with us today. Yeah,
2: thanks for having me. And I just want to clarify, so I I have my own history of mental health struggles and my own family history of mental health struggles and suicide issues. Um, But I don't come at this topic from the standpoint of a mental health professional. I come at it strictly from my own personal experience, but then also the pastoral experience of serving within the church community uh, those people who have loved ones who have died by suicide um, people who are struggling with mental health and who wonder like what is the church doing where is the church in my crisis here so that's where i feel like my uh niche is and my calling is with regard to this topic so so um if
0: if some of you maybe like me grew up that um the church had a stance or at least this was the common practice that when somebody committed suicide there was a lot of negative connotation with that and um even so much so that that person wasn't buried in a catholic cemetery or a mass was not said for them or things like that and um, that has changed to, to a point because now the church is recognizing the mental health aspect. And while so while, the, while suicide is still a grave um, issue and um, stands within the church, w- the church does recognize nowadays that there is a mental um, component to, to, to it. And the Catechism does have some things to say about that.
2: Yeah. And I think, too, when we're talking about, um, yes, this is a super serious concern. I, I remember hearing, even when I was growing up, um, that, well, suicide is a mortal sin because it is the murder of one's self. And therefore, it's a mortal sin because you're not supposed to murder yourself and you're going to go to hell. And that was what I heard. And um, in some ways, from my own experience, my own story, um, that actually gave me a fear. Whenever I started to get very suicidal, I did have this fear that I'm going to go to hell. Um, and so there, there's that aspect of it that, well, maybe they thought if they could just scare people into you know, thinking you'll go to hell, then they won't actually kill themselves. But that really does such a disservice to um, those who are suffering from very real trauma and very real mental health issues or very real pain that they, they, they really just want to end. Um, that Even even murder has certain lessened culpabilities, right? Because like if we if murder is defined as simply as killing another person, then soldiers are committing mortal sin every time they go to war, or um, you know like it's self defense. Somebody comes and and you kill them before they kill you. Well, then is that is that are you fully mortally culpable for that person's death? And um, and so the church has just come to recognize more fully. not, as, not that one time it taught that suicide, everybody who dies by suicide is going to hell, um, but that um, has recognized more fully that there are things that lessen that person's culpability um, in participation of that grave uh, matter. And so if you don't mind, if we just quickly look at the Catechism, paragraph 220, or 2281 says that suicide contradicts the natural inclination of the human being to preserve and perpetuate his life. So right there, it's an unnatural thing. Our instinct is to live. We have survival instinct. Um, So it's, it's gravely contrary to the just love of self. It likewise offends love of neighbor because it unjustly breaks the ties of solidarity with family, nation, and other human societies to which we continue to have obligations. Suicide is contrary to love for the living God. So God gave us this life. We're called to steward this life. But but it's not so simple that God has given me this life and I am never tempted to despair and I'm never tempted to hate myself or I'm never tempted to hurt myself or enslave myself. Like these are all very real struggles that we face in, in our human condition. And so, you know, Annie, you mentioned the 13 reasons why you matter talk. One of the reasons why I put that talk together was because there seemed to be this almost, um, this quasi-glorification of suicide that was coming out in in youth culture, that uh, it was sort of this romanticized idea in a way. And I don't mean that in in a way that brought glory to the suicide, but in a way that made it so... um, Well, if you're going through these things, then this could probably be the natural consequence. Well, of course you... Died by suicide because this person broke up with you, or this person gossiped about you, or this, you know, whatever the the situation may be. And thirteen reasons why you matter when that came out on Netflix, or thirteen that that one did. Yes, I'm so famous. I'm (laughs) I'm on (laughs) Netflix. Subscribe. Um, Thirteen reasons. It was just thirteen reasons, and it's thirteen reasons why this person decided to end their life. What a terrible message to send to people that this is a reason that contributed to the suicide of this person. And I just thought to myself, man, if there's all these reasons, you know, which a lot of us have been through some of these reasons, if there's these reasons that could contribute to suicide, then there have to be reasons uh, why we matter and why we shouldn't do those things. So that's kind of where I started to build a ministry off of that. Yeah. And
3: I know that, um, a lot has, uh, come out and research on suicide that the majority of suicides really are preventable. Like, and so there's whether that, so, so if you're finding yourself like in a place of feeling that despair, feel like that you like that, um, that mental health aspect of it yourself. I know that I've been, you know, I've, I've, I've had some, like we talked about in our other episode, and some of the mental health stuff that I've dealt with and within my family. And, um, we just want to encourage our listeners to find help. Um, I know that just seems like the e- like it just seems easy to say, um, but I was I was listening to Father Mike Schmitz, and and, um, and something he was saying is like he's like if a lot of people will go to um, therapy and they're like well the therapy didn't work for me. Well, he, he's like, well, if you go to a doctor with a broken leg and they're like, well, I can't fix this broken leg. You're not going to be like, well, the doctoring's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and you find another doctor and that's how therapy works too. And I know with our previous episode on mental health, um, Alicia had mentioned um, some different uh, types of therapy um, for, um, that she had gone through, like in finding like in, uh, for her, for the fight like in that you need to really find the right type of type of help and um I just, I feel like that needs to be kind of encouraged is that just that reminder that if you're um, experiencing something, speak out, don't,
2: Mm -hmm. don't stay alone in your head. Mm -hmm. Like I do in the middle of the night when I wake up with insomnia. Um, And not, and not to wait until it's a point of desperation because there was a point, I mean, I know you're going to talk about this in another episode, but where I was feeling very suicidal after um, the birth of one of my children and I called a therapist and she said to me, um well I'm I'm very busy is this an emergency emergency and I'm like I just told you that I was feeling suicidal and she goes well but like really suicidal and I was just like oh my gosh and so I hung up the phone and I cried and cried and cried and my husband was there and he prayed with me and you know we ended up finding somebody that could see me but it was just this like I, but I waited until I was at a point of desperation and we don't always have to wait until our leg is broken. You know, like if it's hurting really bad or it's starting to bother you, like it's okay to go ahead and see somebody at that point before it's like, yeah, it's falling off. Like, you know, (laughs) it's like, wait, this, this is also mental health care is not just emergent care. It's, I need to learn some coping strategies mm-hmm. to deal with some emotions or some traumas or, or whatever. But I also feel like, you know, from the church's standpoint, you've got people that are like, well, just pray harder. You just pray it away. And, but mm-hmm. then you have the other extreme that are that don't see prayer as having anything to do with a mental health mm-hmm. issue. I firmly believe that therapy has given me so much coping skills that I desperately needed. But my healing in different areas and my hope, comes from my relationship with God. That is the root of everything that that I can have hope even when I'm feeling these feelings of despair uh, because of my faith, but I need to learn the coping strategies and maybe the medications that help to temper those emotions to help me to function, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. The brain is a part of the body, and that's one of the things in the, in the um, 13 Reasons Why You Matter Talk that I, I try to say is like the brain is, is an organ. It's part of the body. Different things have affected it in different ways, and that can contribute to our reactions to things that are not not healthier, that go against the natural basic human instinct to survive. Well, and we've we've talked about this in a previous episode about how
1: like God often uses natural means in order to help us. That people will say, "Well, just pray harder, just get it, we're closer with God." All of that stuff. Whenever you say to somebody, "Just pray," it's kind of an insult. Because we are we are both physical and we are spiritual beings and we're combined. And I think, at least in my experience, most of the time, God uses those natural means in my life in order to help me. So when I started going to counseling, I didn't want to go because I was just like, I'm just going to rely on God. That's all I need. I just need to pray harder. I just need to, you know, I had that kind of mindset. But at the same time, I had this nudge of like, I kind of knew that God was telling me to go to counseling. He was like, just go and I'd already been a couple of times mm-hmm. and they weren't able to help me mm-hmm. but like you were talking about Annie they didn't give me the type of um a therapy that I needed they just didn't know those particular therapists and so um you know I, I ignored that and I pushed that to the side and I was just like no that's that's just me that's just me and when it went
2: really deep down I knew yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we don't want to spend the money uh-huh. you know <laughs> we don't want to spend the money on or ourselves take out the time <laughs> And that is a bit,
0: financial things are Mm -hmm. a big part of it, you know, like, and one part is, we kind of live in the society, I think we're breaking part of that stigma, because I mean, this is part of that too, I guess discussing this right here is part of that breaking that stigma, but, you know, we live in a society where you're just supposed to deal with your problems, you deal with it, you carry it, you deal with it, and, You're not supposed to burden anybody else with it. And so sometimes people feel that way. But then, like, okay, I'm ready to get help, but I can't afford to get help. Mm -hmm. and My insurance doesn't pay for help, and therapy is really expensive, and the drugs Mm -hmm. are really expensive, and insurance doesn't cover that. So then there's these people that don't get help. Mm -hmm. Okay? Like, I I can't, personally, I cannot afford to go to a therapist. Mm -hmm. So then, like, then what do you do? So it's like, yeah, it's great, you know, it's great to say pray it away or it's great, great to say go get mm-hmm. therapy. But what if you can't afford any of that? Mm-hmm. You know, it's just kind of like, mm-hmm. and then there's these people just kind of left to deal with it. Yeah. You know, so. Well, I'll
2: tell you, I found a nun, a nun who saw me for free. Um, she was a counselor. and She saw me for free. And that was the best thing, like. Um, but waiting lists right now are really long mm-hmm. too. So even if you can't afford it, and you you know you're ready to, I mean, there's so many obstacles to our mental health yeah. care. Even though I think we've really done a great job reducing the stigma, I actually think we're we have swung the pendulum pendulum the other
3: mm-hmm. direction,
2: where you're on TikTok for five minutes, and all of a sudden you're self diagnosing a new <laughs> mental illness yeah. and another mental illness. Or like you know, there's been this rise of um, young people exhibiting symptoms of Tourette's. Syndrome mm-hmm. because of TikTok trends and things like that, and I was sharing that with a school counselor. I said, you know, I feel like we we have done a great job talking about this and destigmatizing it, where kids are not really afraid so much to say, "Well, I have anxiety," you know. But it's like they become that label. That's what mm-hmm. we had missed, what we didn't foresee would happen, that they I, this has become part of their identity, mm-hmm. and um, that's another area as a church that we have to step into and be like, no, that's not your identity. That's a, that's a cross that you carry Mm -hmm. that has nothing to do with your identity, your personality, your gifts, your spiritual gifts, your charisms, like all of these things or your relationships. This has to do with a cross that you carry, a way that you interact with the world that can be a little bit of a challenge or or a big challenge, but it's not you, who you are. That's not your identity. And that worries me a little bit because I see that with young people that they will, when I ask them about themselves, they'll name like five different mental health things that they're struggling with, you know? And I'm like, no, 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 no. Tell me about you. What do you like to do? You know? Mm -hmm. And um, that's, that's tough. When I was sharing with this counselor, she goes, well, but that's also a sign of their mental health issue. And I'm like, okay, but it's the poison that we are feeding them Mm -hmm. through Mm -hmm. social media. It's, it's like... Not just a, it's not just a symptom of their mental health. It's a poison that they're being fed, that this is, this is who you are. And Mm -hmm. this is how to get attention even in some ways. And I hate to say that, but that is a reality for some people that they go down this rabbit hole and, um, and they can't get out of it, you know? And, Mm -hmm. uh, and that's really hard too, that your identity is that you're a child of God and, I know for myself, God has literally um, told me that um, mental health is going to be a cross that I carry, that I struggle with. Some Sometimes it's not so bad. Sometimes I have like no issues at all, and sometimes it's really, really, really hard to get out of bed the next morning, or it's hard to break cycles of anxiety in my mind. Um, but I, I will tell you, one of the best things for me that is uh, the rosary because it's grounding. It's something you hold on to physically. And sometimes even therapists will give you something like to hold on for anxiety, you know, and, um, it's grounding, it's repetitive enough that I can, I can focus on that and get out of my, my swirly mind, uh, you know, like black hole that I'm going down. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then also it's the spiritual piece. So even if my, my mind is, is clouded, I can still have the spiritual peace and the spiritual rest by the time that I finish. And it may be at that very, very last prayer. But but that that's something that has been a good tool for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know, what do you guys think has been a good tool for you with with your own struggles? Exercise.
0: Mm-hmm. Like.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, one thing I've learned for me is getting outside, getting in the sunlight. Mm-hmm. Cause like we have skylights at our house. But And so I was like, I'm getting vitamin D. No. I was like, no. <laughs> so when I was talking to my doctor about how I was experiencing some symptoms of like postpartum depression during this pregnancy, she was like, you know, these are the things that we can do. Make sure that you're getting outside. Most women who are pregnant have low vitamin D. And so getting out in the sun, even if you need to take a supplement, do that. But if you can get mm-hmm. out in the sun, make sure that you're doing that because that does create a serotonin, I believe, and you know it it does lift up your mood. It just does, mm-hmm. and uh, so that's that's one thing that I've been doing recently.
3: I feel like a broken record. Noise canceling.
2: <laughs> I got them in my car. <laughs> like, I yeah. love
3: them so much. <laughs> but wow. Yeah, and I'll, i like, lately I've been um, listening to. Uh, the, pot, the um, Catechism in a Year, which, you know, it's like almost, it's, it's December of the year that I started it on. I think I'm on an episode like 18 now. <laughs> it's it's been very okay. slow, well, lots of like breaks, but I'm trying to get back into it. But like, like trying to find something that kind of refocuses me and like, and then in the middle of the night, that's when I have a lot of my anxiety. I was the other night, I just pregnancy insomnia. And couldn't sleep and then just having like anxiety about like rethinking conversations and then finally like i was like oh i have a rosary on my wrist pulled out my rosary i think i fell asleep on like the last like hill mary or something like that. no i i got through the uh, I, I do remember i did the uh, hail holy queen i think that i didn't make it past i was like in the middle of the hill holy queen i finally fell back asleep after like two hours <laughs> yeah. um so yeah so that's also um I I agree, like, having that physical, because I've played, like, like, I'll do an audio rosary sometimes when I'm at at night, but um, having something to, like, really hold on to, like Mm -hmm. you said, and
2: And there are things, too, like, um, well, Father Robert Spitzer says when when we replay conversations or situations in our head, we enter into an eros of darkness. I think we may have talked about this back when I was on the podcast before, but this eros of darkness that we kind of get this pleasure from re- hashing these things and that even things that make us upset. He says, interrupt it with uh, prayers of gratitude. And that has, when I remember to do it, (laughs) that super helps me to get out of that uh, frustrating emotional cycle. Um, But, and then the other thing just to mention too, well, since we were talking about medications, there are some medications that people don't respond to well. So like we were talking about, if your therapist doesn't help you, if you're noticing on your medication that you're not doing well, like there was a particular medication that my mom was on where she turned crazy and we were scared of her, um, just how volatile she was. And then I went to her and then she would be a zombie and then I went and I looked up every single medication that she was taking, and that was a side effect for this mm-hmm. one medication, or the volatile mood swings. And um, and I told her, I was like, Mom, you gotta stop taking this medicine. And uh, she talked to her doctor, and he was like, Oh yeah, that can be a side effect. But she didn't know. Wow. She just right. thought it was her. She didn't realize it's the medicine that yeah. was reacting with her that way. Yeah, one of my asthma medicines. came.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's something that
2: like was talked about a little bit. Just because, like, I, none of the doctors talked to me about
3: it. It was a friend of mine. When I said that one of my kids was going on it, she's like, "Well, be careful because this is what happened with my kid." And I'm like, "Oh shoot, i will watch for that." <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: so, yeah.
3: Because it's like, because even cause I went on one of the medicines I went on for ADHD. Um, the first one I went on. The reason I realized that I should not be on that one was, um, I just I re- was really just stressed out and upset. And I remember being on the highway with the kids and just thinking they just jerk the car nobody would know you know and like that you know that was the moment I'm like I should call the doctor this yeah. is this is, uh, not, this is not this, this is not normal. Right, though, yeah. so that's on my do not take list so yeah, yeah. um but I was to say no well I'm kind of circling back though in your experience with ministry um for ministering for families or to other people who have had a family member, a close friend, or somebody um, that they, you know, even like somebody that they know, like that they're ministering to. Like, what would what advice or what would you would you give to ministering to those people who have been directly influenced by suicide and that are just in a pain, place of confusion or, um, you know, in in that grief, mm-hmm. their grief, which is, I mean, that they're always going to be in that grief. That's not something that ever goes away
2: um
3: but what what would you um i th-
2: i mean there's i think that there's nothing with su- that i would say to to say to somebody who's been affected by suicide as any other loss like don't tell them this is somehow part of god's plan and don't mm-hmm. tell them that you know that they're an angel because i i i've had family members and and loved ones who have uh attempted suicide and those who we know who have um died by suicide. And they're angry too. We're, you know, there's an anger to that. Like, how could you do this? One of the girls in my youth group, um, her grandfather had died by hanging and then her dad had found him, but then he did it, you know? And so she came, uh, to my house. Like I lived right next to the church and, um, she came to my house and, um, She was like, I need to talk to you. I don't understand why my dad did this. I'm so angry. You can't say, oh, but he loved you so much because she doesn't feel loved right right now because Uh this thing happened to her. So I think you let them be angry. You let them cry. You let them just be a good listener. Uh Um, The healing process is going to be very long and very uh, many twists and turns. But I think being a good listener, just praying for them, pray to encouraging them to pray for their loved one. You know, God is outside of time. And I firmly believe that our prayers are still efficacious, even after somebody has passed. I, I don't know when God applies those prayers, but I truly believe that, um, that, uh, the mass and the rosaries and everything, um, our prayers are powerful for these loved ones. And as I'm gonna. Stacy has something to read, but then I'll give you a couple resources too. Um,
0: while you're talking about that, it reminded me of again going back to the Catechism, kind of right where we started. Uh, paragraph two, two, eight, three, says, "We should not despair of the eternal salvation of persons who have taken their own lives. By ways known to Him alone, God can provide the opportunity for salutary repentance." The church prays for persons who have taken their own lives, which also reminds me of one of my, know it's, it's a very hopeful story, but it's St. John Vianney. There was a woman who wanted to see St. John Vianney and um, she, she wanted to approach him, but his lines were often lasted for hours because he was known as such a great confessor. And she couldn't reach him, and she was ready to give up. And in the moment um, of mystical insight that only a great saint could receive, St. John Vianney exclaimed through the cloud crowd, He is saved. The woman was kind of like, what? And so he repeated himself, I tell you, he is saved. He is in purgatory, and you must pray for him. Between the parapet uh, of the bridge and the water, he had time to make an act of contrition. And so I think it's important for us to know that only God really knows our souls and what our true hearts are in moments. And when we have to let God work in, in, in those things. We have to let people grieve, and we have to remember that there is hope.
3: Mm-hmm. I'm going to link this Father Mike talk that I listened to, but he spoke about a, um, a man who—his um, name's— uh, I don't know if he mentions his name in there, but I looked it up. It's Kevin Hines, and he's now a suicide prevention speaker, but he um, had attempted suicide by jumping off the Golden Great mm-hmm. Bridge.
2: Yeah, oh, there's
3: yeah. a documentary about yeah. him or something, mm-hmm. I think, too. I've
1: watched some of that, yeah. And
3: how, like, immediately when he jumped off, like, he had that regret, mm-hmm. and he, he survived, but that he um, he shares with us that there is that hope. Like, we don't know what is in somebody's heart and mind, and um, what we can do is pray.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then just a few resources real quick before we, we wrap up. Um, Deacon Ed Schooner, he's a friend of mine from a short stint that we both served on the Council for Mental Health uh, under the USCCB. And um, he lost his daughter to suicide. And he has since become a huge, huge uh, mental health in the church and pastoral care advocate. And so he has all kinds of grants for churches, actually, too. he He says he's having trouble just giving money away. Like, hire somebody to help uh, train your uh, people in mental health first aid. He's got grants for that. And he runs the Association for Catholic Health Ministers. But he also wrote two books. Um, One is When a Loved One Dies by Suicide. And the other one is Responding to Suicide, a Pastoral Handbook for Catholic Leaders. So he's just a wonderful friend and a wonderful writer. He gives out free holy cards with the image of St. Dymphna and St. John of God, who had spent time in a, a psychiatric hospital, um, and St. Dymphna, the patron of, of mental health. So there, there are so many resources in the church. The church is such a treasury and a treasury of healing sacraments, too, that, um, that we can't ignore our spiritual side of depression and sin and addiction that, that affects our mental health e- either. So, you know, we can, we can be liberated from those things. And God gives us resources in so many ways to to heal and to not despair um, for our loved ones and to continue to pray that we will see them one day again.
0: And as always, thank you for joining us. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Join us again in two weeks. Until then, may God bless you and may Mary accompany you. Coffee and Catholics is a proud partner of the Smart Catholics Podcast Network. Find new shows to love, meet like-minded Catholics, and join the community at smartcatholics.com.